Hey friends, this is Kelsey Jo Hillis, photographer, entrepreneur, wife, mom, and recovering people pleaser. This is my podcast, Picturing Purpose, where I have meaningful and authentic conversations with people from all different walks of life. My hope with this podcast is that you find encouragement, lean on faith, and trust God's purpose for your life. We will have a brand new episode for you every other Wednesday. So with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode of Picturing Purpose. Hello, Purpose Pleasers. This is Kelsey Joe with Picturing Purpose. Today is a beautiful rainy Saturday, and I have my friends Hannah and Dina here today. Hannah is uh, the daughter, and Dina is the mom, and they go to Kingdom Church in Chaffee, Fort Smith address. You guys are probably familiar with Joel Wanamaker and Michelle Wanamaker. Joel's been on the show a lot. Michelle's been on the show. Um, She's a photographer and she's also one of my best friends. (laughs) Hannah is also one of my best friends. So she's giving me the face. And Hannah is the worship pastor at Kingdom Church. Uh, Dina uh, leads the women's ministry there. And they have a really cool story to share with us today of Dina's husband and Hannah's dad. And I'm excited for them to share it because I know that it's a really solid testimony of faith and trust in the Lord. And I'm excited for you guys to hear it. But before we get into that, Hannah is also teaching me drums, (laughs) which has been really fun. I've always wanted to play the drums, which I've already told you this, but Whenever I tried out for band in the seventh grade, you know, you they want you to come out there and like try all the different instruments or whatever. And I was like, I know I'm going to do drums. Like I'm going to be picked for drums. And I went out there and uh, I did not get drums. I got the flute and I was not happy about it, but I ended up just doing it anyway. And I played the flute for my seventh grade year and that was it. I didn't do it again. But Now that I'm playing drums in my 30s, my early 30s, and learning it all, it's kind of like a, uh, see, I told you I could play the drums, and it's just been something I've been excited to do. So how about you tell our audience how good I am at the drums? She's actually pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Our first lesson, I basically asked her if she could keep a rhythm, and she could, so I knew I had something to work with. Um, but no, she's doing really well. And I think each lesson I I go home and I'm like, holy cow, is this really happening right now? So she's trying to get me to play drums. She basically forced me to tell, (laughs) tell you all that she's the future um, female. Who'd you say? Travis Barker. (laughs) Yeah. Travis Barker. I was like, what about Phil Collins? Like, I think he's better, but anyways, it's neither here. Well, our generation, Travis Barker was like the drummer, you know? But that was secular music, and Hannah didn't listen to secular music growing That's up, right. except maybe one Rihanna song. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to hate me? No. <laughs> no, it's funny. Okay. I, I First of all, I need to tell everybody your personality, because I feel like if they listen to you, they're going to be like, wow, is she like, uh, <laughs> like being serious? Hannah is extremely sarcastic. Like, yes. extremely. 1,000%. And so you just kind of have to know her. And she loves big, but she's very sarcastic, and it's just part of her. Yeah. And so, 
when we met, Hannah and I met uh, through Michelle. We had a first blind date at Chili's. It was beautiful. Love at first sight. Yes. And our second date was Maverick City concert in Northwest Arkansas, which was amazing. But on the drive there and on the way back, we, you know, had some time to talk about our childhood and, you know, how we were raised and all of these things. And our our stories are very opposite. (laughs) I was not raised in church. I, you know, my parents weren't bad people whatsoever, but we just didn't, they didn't go to church regularly. And, you know, they had guidelines and rules that I had to live by, but it wasn't, you know, like a foundation of Christ or anything of that sort. And whenever I I was playing like old music, because we're like the same age, right? You're like just a couple years younger than me, aren't you? Yeah, I just turned 29. Oh, okay. So you're just a couple years younger. And so I was like playing old songs like from our teenage years. And she's like, um, I was like, do you know this? She's like, no. Um, I know Rihanna, please don't stop the music. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, that's your song? And she's like, yeah. Um, so when I was younger, you know, she she only listened to certain music, like Christian and like did didn't Dina didn't you say that like even like Christian rock was kind of like a no no back re- then I don't remember saying that but yeah, yeah totally, I she did. totally did yeah I totally if it wasn't in the Bible we didn't listen to it <laughs> yeah you know because your True. dad was a Assemblies of God pastor yes. right yeah. okay so is more of a conservative household of you 100, know 100% yeah. absolutely so when you were listening to this music on your little MP3 player, or what was it? Was it an MP3? It probably player? was MP3. Or like yeah. little... I, had a, I had several of those. Okay. I thought they were so cool. And so you would have like all your worship music, and then <laughs> suddenly you'd hear Rihanna, please don't stop the music. Yeah. And she, that was like her secret song that she yeah. would listen to. That was, that was when I gave into my flesh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know why, but that story just cracks me up so much. And this week at our drum lesson, I was like, can I please bring that up in front of your mom? And you were like, oh, you're going to kill me. (laughs) Dina, what do you think about that? Little Hannah listening to Rihanna. Please don't stop the music. It was all right. Okay. Now she tells me. I done the same thing because my parents were very yeah you, you didn't we didn't let course then it was kisser you know <laughs> wow I mean, it's, still, it's still kisser but yeah. we and if my parents especially my dad was away mm-hmm. we would try to sneak in a little yeah mm. so, dabbling with the devil well and you and you grew up in the 70s right in the uh, 70s yeah. and 80s yeah so that was like the hype of like drugs and rock mm-hmm. and all of that yeah and, Oh uh, yeah. So wow, your your mom's a little bit crazier than you, Anna. <laughs> Truth comes out in a podcast, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that right home's gonna be a little, little She'll uh, be like big in the air. Poppy. <laughs> well I'll be <laughs> Okay, anyway. Um it's a you had to be there kind of moment too, where Sorry. it's just absolutely hilarious. So Hannah and I have become pretty good friends, and she's an amazing musician. I don't know if I mentioned that on this recording. We kind of messed up earlier. I had to re-record something. And so she plays the piano, she sings, and she plays the drums, which she's an amazing drummer. I make her play for me ever so often when we're doing lessons because I need a break from my shins. <laughs> and she's pretty incredible. Don't you think so, Dina? Yes. 
She is. She's very talented. <laughs> She's Thank also you. a banker at, I don't know which bank. Cadence. Oh, that's right. Okay. And then Dina, what was your career raising kids and stuff? Daycare. Daycare. Yeah, daycare. Long, many years of daycare. Well, the, well while the kids were young and not in school. Yeah. I worked daycare. So did they stay home with you while you did daycare? They went with me to daycare. Ah, so you got to help in daycare. Yeah. Yeah. Some so, dramatic memories. No, daycare was fun. Oh, you mm-hmm. liked going? I got to live it up. Yeah. <laughs> this is a podcast, so sometimes, Hannah, you have to talk and not make sarcastic faces because people can't hear it. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... They're very involved at Kingdom Church, very godly women that love the Lord. And they always, Hannah is always directing me to the Holy Spirit and the Word. Anytime I'm struggling or I bring up an issue, she's very quick to remind me of (laughs) God's Word and what He says and how much He loves me. And I always appreciate people like that, that don't I like to be coddled every once in a while, but I need a good Hannah Tory to like kind of put me back in my place. Yeah, sure. Take the cattle prod <laughs> to my friends. Yeah. Really? You're not like that. <laughs> but you know, you're you are very good about just leading people back to kind of what God says about them versus their feelings and emotions, you know? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, well, let's get into your testimony. Um, I'll, I'll kind of go into Hannah's a little bit later, but Hannah has adopted two boys through, you fostered them first, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Okay. Through the foster care system. And they just recently lost Hannah's dad and Dina's husband. What was his name? Daryl. Daryl from COVID. He passed away in, it was 2020, wasn't it? Or was it 2021? 21. It was a year ago. It was just last year. What month? June. June. So it was last summer. I just kind of want you guys to go into that a little bit and share share a little bit about your dad. I want you to celebrate his life too. You know, talk about sure. how great of a man he was and like the things that he taught you throughout life and things like that. And you're welcome to cry in this room because I'll probably cry too. Never met the man, but man, he he raised a, a good lady. Yes. Oh, she agrees. 100%. <laughs> um, I often get that They'll say, Hannah, you're just like your dad with my jokes or whatever. And at this point now, I just own it. You know, yeah. I used to be like, no, I'm not. I'm is she funnier. similar to him, Dina? Uh, she is just like I am oh, through okay. and through. Yeah. DNA is real. Yes. <laughs> it is. It so, is. no, I'm just like him. But growing up, we were, we were really close when I was younger. I was a daddy's girl. We would go to bow shooting competitions and he was like that's my girl out there beating all those boys you know and we would do that all the time it was almost like every weekend we were out there competition shooting and i had trophies like crazy yeah he even tried to help me or yeah help me become a golfer because he was like sis uh golfers make really good money uh i just never could catch on it was more like putt putt for me (laughs) but I had my own set of golf clubs, mm-hmm. and I would go, but I would get really frustrated when I couldn't hit it 300 yards like him, you know. Mm-hmm. So that one I never really caught on, but uh, he was my coach in T-ball, and one special moment in T-ball, I looked at my dad. He was behind the catcher's mound, and I was like, Dad, can we do a home run? And he was like, 
you think you can do that? Just do it. And I was like, all right. So I did. And sure enough, had a home run. And we've talked about that like forever. Yeah. Um, but we were super close. And then, of course, when I got older and matured more into a woman, then I cling to my mom more, you know. Yeah. I needed to, she was my confidant. Like, that was someone yeah. I needed to talk to. Dad wouldn't know about women's stuff, you know. That's right. That was in my thought process. Yeah. But we were still really close. And he would he would call me about church stuff, you know, and they moved off to to Oklahoma five years ago. Mm-hmm. Five years ago. And I mean, they didn't quite realize that it was like that was hard for us. Like we just felt like we lost our parents, you know, but they were still two and a half hours away, you mm-hmm. know. But I would call them coming home from work or whatever and they'd have me on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. I could tell. And they would both talk to me, you know. But he would talk about how the church was doing or, you know, how the previous church treated him or just whatever. And we were constantly talking about church, like always. I think that's probably why I do that now. And I used to like, why does he do that all the time? Yeah, but now gosh, I do that. And I'm like, why do I church? do that all the time? You yeah. know, but we were really close. And I don't know. He was a very much of a protector. Like, you know, when I would date stupid boys. Yeah. I won't mention Not, any names. Yeah. This is worldwide. Um, but. <laughs> you got that right. But, but when I would date guys that he knew mm-hmm. was not the one God called me to, you know, he'd be yeah. like, sis, I can kill him. You know, I'm like, you're also a pastor. Uh, <laughs> at least pray for him yeah. first, yeah. you know. <laughs> Give him a chance to go to heaven, dad. Uh, so. <laughs> So, <laughs> at least give him some time to repent. You know, yeah. um, I'm pretty sure that my dad had like communion on stock, so mm-hmm. you know he could he could make sure that they took communion and gave their life to Jesus first, and he had his anointing oil always yeah. in his pocket. You know, really? that's what it seemed like. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I was like, uh, wow, I'm kind of shocked by that. No, <laughs> no he would. He always, yeah, he always did have anointing oil close mm-hmm. to him wherever he went to mm-hmm. pray with people, but he loved ministry. Yeah. He loved, and they, they both did, you know, and uh, my mom still does, but... And so do you. But I watched that growing mm-hmm. up, that they poured so much of their lives into people. Yeah. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to be mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. So. You have, like, a a spiritual gift of, like, the church. Yeah, Like, absolutely. taking care of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need people like that. Yeah. Part of the body. Mm-hmm. So, Dina... What do you want to? She's already crying a little yeah, bit. Which she's gonna cry me, a lot. I know, and that's okay. <laughs> hey, he was the love of your life. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Even last night, as I was thinking about today, I remember the scripture that says, "Your steps are ordered by the Lord. Every step that we take is ordered by the Lord." And um, whenever we. Uh, we pastored our first church, and it was time for us to leave. My husband was ready to go before I was, and he was just waiting for me to realize it was we were finished. Mm-hmm. And so I remember asking him, I'm like, you know, how long is it going to be before we start our next pastor? Because once that is pl- that calling is in your life, it's always there. Yeah. And so he said, well, I don't think it'll be very long. Well, it seemed like forever we were just searching and praying about where we were going to go next. And 
there wasn't any Assembly of God churches open in Arkansas. So this particular day, I was looking at the Oklahoma district and um, this church, Uchi, Oklahoma. I was like, look at this. What is it? Uchi, Oklahoma. I've never heard of that. I've usually heard of all the weird <laughs> Oklahoma yeah. names, but I haven't heard of that one. So I'm like, let's let's go mm-hmm. two and a half hours away. And uh, the very minute that we pulled on the parking lot of Uchi Assembly of God, we grabbed hands and I told him, I said, this is where we're supposed to be. Mm. And so, you know, two and a half hour drive is not going to be easy. We're going to have to quit our jobs. And um, the peace that we both felt in doing that, to walk away from the job that I'd had for almost 13 years and the job that he had, which was to know, not know exactly, you know, whatever. But the Lord told me last night as I was getting ready for today and thinking about today and what all he has brought me through the last year and a half about the steps are being ordered. He said, whenever we decided that we were going there, that's when he took over and that was the starting of our step to where we get to where i am today and totally stepping out in faith that everything was going to be okay i mean we still have bills but every week you have the comfort of it yeah just knowing that he was going to take care of me but that's when it started he said that's when it started was when you decided to totally trust me step out on faith and go even though it hurt our kids because we're a close family and leaving everyone even though we were only two and a half hours away it seemed to seemed so far away also and spending a lot of our time there instead of coming home and seeing them do things and you know but that was when it started so and um even whenever you stepped out in faith and that was the beginning of your walk with him like of the steps like did you guys have struggles like leading up to that where you just you had any doubt or anything it was just full-on faith it was just i remember every sunday morning and we would laugh about this a couple of years later i'd be like lord this is our bills this week so i'm just trusting you to provide this much for this week and if i can trust him to provide this much for this week and every week he did that because we did not know what we were going to make your salaries based on yeah whatever you know yeah it was a small church but they provided for us big time yeah. and you reap those benefits kelsey i'm reaping those <coughs> benefits right now yeah and i have since Daryl passed away. And it also, the first part, we had went every year to district council where all the Assembly of God pastors in yeah. Oklahoma get together. We had went for four years and heard this about a benevolence ministry 
and never signed up for that until April. My husband passed away in June. And that was my first offering that I received was from them. And then it just kept coming from, I've said the Oklahoma District Assemblies of God is the most amazing bunch of people and how they love and care for their pastors. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It It just kept coming and kept coming. Financial blessings. When I did not know what I was going to do, yeah. I did. I literally did not know what I was going to do yeah. because neither one of us worked. We were full time, mm-hmm. and that was the first. Then I had we had went and got me a car, and um, my husband had asked them. He's like, if you know, if something happens and we can't afford this what do I do? He said, you just bring it back to me and you won't owe anything and it'll all be fine. And whenever you get financially stable, you come back. So my son-in-law took my car when they came back right after the funeral and stuff. When they came back home, he took it back to them. And I was left with my husband's truck that had 240,000 miles on it. But it was solid as it could ever be. Right. And when it come time for me to think about looking for something, discovered that my name was not on the title. Mm. And uh, the Lord, literally, I sat down one night because it seemed like every person that I talked to didn't know what they were talking about. And I just kept running into walls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord, you know. I need this title. Mm-hmm. You know, Daryl Keith Martin was my husband mm-hmm. <laughs> for 29 years. I need this title so I can get rid of this truck. The very next morning, I get a phone call. And the lady apologized for everything they had put me through. And the title was in the mail. Oh. And within a couple of days, I had the title to the truck. Like, go and get me a 2017 Ford Explorer. And um, the car lot where I had took my car back to was where I went to. They're godly people. Mm-hmm. And um, he told me, he said, this is what the sticker price is. If you pay it off quicker, because I was expecting some money and... Um, he said, I'll take off another $2,000. And uh, Justin at the time was getting some, he had cashed in his apers. Paying his husband. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the Lord just kept telling me, you need to check on your apers. And I'm like, what? You need to check on your apers. Well, come to find out, I mean, I had worked for the county, but I did not realize that I had put in to apers. <laughs> I know, and um, I paid my 2017 Ford Explorer off in a month and a few days. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, it's paid for. You just got taken care of in every way after that? Every way. Every time I turn around, he's, he's making a way, and he's blessing me. And my job right now is straight 
from God. And I've never worked at a place where you have freedom to pray for somebody right there, right now. Mm. And that's, I mean, I had been been prophesied over that my ministry was not over. And the things that the Lord was getting us ready for was actually for me. Doors I was going to walk through, I was going to minister to a whole lot of people. And sitting at home in my home, I was like, Lord, how in the world am I going to minister to people when I'm sitting here by myself all day long? But now he's opened this door, and I work for an amazing couple. Yeah. Uh, Holy Ghost, Spirit filled. My boss is an amazing man, um, loves the Lord with all of his heart. And that's awesome. We've got to pray with people. It's just, it's amazing. I'm blessed. That's incredible. It gives me chills. <laughs> I love that. So one thing we haven't gone over is um, his passing. How how did all of that happen? Like, and just whatever you're comfortable sharing, like well, leading up to his passing. Really, the start of it was, I believe, a God thing from the beginning because it was like the week before he got sick. Um, we had like five teens in our youth group get saved. Oh wow! And we had been praying. Justin and I and one of our other leaders, we've been praying like, Lord, I'm tired of just coming in here on Wednesday nights and just talking to these teens about you. I want them to experience you you and give their lives to you. And so I had just really shared with them. And then that night, literally, I think it was like five or six kids gave their heart to Jesus. And I had posted about how excited we were. and, Mm -hmm. And I think that like that weekend or something, they were heading out of town with Convoy of Hope, mm-hmm. um, and they were getting a bunch of food for their church pantry to give to people and things like that, like my parents were. And that's when he got sick. He got around somebody that had the disease. And, <laughs> and you can say that's, COVID. <laughs> that's, when he, uh, that's when he got it. But So that, that Wednesday night, we had people, kids or teens saved. And then the next morning I went to leave to go to work and my car was stolen out of my garage. Mm -hmm. And of all places, a garage that's shut, you know, but there were some people who have not experienced Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, walking through the streets of Barling that night and just got lucky with our house and uh, totaled my car. And so when my nanny had passed away, I had been given some of her jewelry, some rings of hers, and I had put them in a, I got them at the nursing home right before she passed, and I had put them in one of the like rubber gloves that you get when they glove up or whatever, because I had nothing else on me at that point, and I put them in my little console of my car, and when we were able to go to my car when it was totaled, that was the first place I looked because I thought, oh my gosh, those rings. Please don't steal them. They stole my glasses. I mean, they stole my wallet. They stole everything. And I looked in there and those rings were gone. And I was like, I could care less about anything else. But that was what got me. And so I call my mom and dad because that's what you do. And I call them and I'm bawling. I can't even talk to them, you know. And my husband's like, Dina. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's like, uh, here's what happened, you know. And my dad, he wasn't feeling well at that point. He just thought it was like a sinus, a cold or, you know, something like that. And so what does good parents do? They drive two and a half hours down to our house. And my dad's like, you need some more security. So I'll bring my gun. And if someone tries to break in tonight, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, so they slap in, or slip, slap in our living room. And he had been, like, coughing a lot. And he was taking a lot of medicine. And then he went golfing that weekend because he was dedicated and didn't want to let his family down. And so when they came in contact with us was when we ended up getting sick. And then he just never got better and it was may 28th because that's actually our anniversary i went to the hospital that day and my dad did too i passed out getting out of the shower and so everything like dropped for me and my husband was like okay you're going to the emergency room <laughs> your pulse is not where it needs to be and my mom had called me prior to that and was like i'm taking your dad to the hospital his breathing is really scaring me and she was sick and she didn't realize how sick she was and so she dropped him off at the hospital and because she wasn't able to go in and she sat on the car for a while and then they came out and were, were telling her like we're gonna have to send him to joplin you know went to grove hospital mm-hmm. so they were there and so they had to take him to the hospital in Joplin, they're like, he's he's really sick. I don't know if you realize how sick he is. And so he was there from May 28th until uh, he, till he passed. And she would get calls regularly, but it was like, I don't know, the next day or something, they put him on the ventilator. He was that sick. And they had called and told her that's what they're going to do. But she would get calls like every day. But we didn't realize how sick he was until we got to see him. Because he was in ICU for that long period of time. And June 17th? 18th was when he came out. Well, yeah, so he got out of ICU and they called us and they're like, you can you can come and see him. So I got off. Until then, you couldn't see Yeah, him. we couldn't even see him. He was in we, isolation. We didn't know, like, how bad, literally how bad he was. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the 18th. And so he got out and I got off work that Friday and I rushed and picked her up, and then we went to Joplin to the hospital. And she got a call like right before I picked her up, and it was one of the nurses was like, "Hey, the doctor wants to see you as soon as you get here. Do you know when you're going to be here?" We got it there, and we were looking for the doctor, and he was nowhere to be found. And they were like, "Oh, he's at some graduation or something." And there was like people graduating with their medical degree, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he was there and they were like, but if you come in the morning, he'll be making his rounds. And so we were like, well, what time is he going to be here? Because we'll meet him here. And so they said he'd be there around 7.30 or something like that. So we were there at 7, waiting for the doctor. And we didn't see him until later in the afternoon, which was really frustrating because we're like, Mm -hmm. obviously something is wrong if the doctor wants to see us, but it seems like it's not as important to him, you know? And so that Saturday, when we walked in, there was nurses all in his room and they had turned him overnight 
And when they did, everything dropped and they almost lost him through the night. And so they were calling the doctor to see, should we put him back on his belly? Because, I don't know if you heard, but when you have when you had COVID and you were struggling wanted, to breathe, they, they put you on your you stomach to, and it, I didn't realize your lungs, I guess, are in your back some yeah. some way it really and it, it takes pressure off mm-hmm. of your lungs and so it strengthens your lungs too. yes and so we walk in and we're like what in the world is happening you know yeah. and we knew at that moment like something is not good you know and i didn't know my if my mom realized how bad it was but i could tell how bad mm-hmm. it was so uh the doctor they talked to him on the phone and he's like if you can try to get him on his belly please do that and i mean like his numbers were very very low and they were pumping all kinds of fluids in him trying to get him back where he needed to be they got him flipped over and he started making progress he was doing much better numbers were coming back up things were looking good they weren't as scared anymore and so i called my husband and i'm like dad's not doing good you know, like, can you please come up here? Because I have a feeling he's not going to make it, you know. And I stepped out of the room to tell him that. And so he, he came up there to be with us. His dad actually brought him up there because so we didn't have two vehicles there. Mm-hmm. And my dad's uncle, my Uncle Duel, he's a pastor at Bacoshi Assembly. Mm-hmm. He came up to the hospital. One of my dad's deacons came the presbyter came, like all these people were coming to the hospital to pray with my dad. My uncle spent hours in his room praying for him, and we all were because we knew, like, you know, this is, this is not good. Yeah, and God can. So the longer we prayed, his numbers continued to go back up. And there's, they were like, we can't take him off the ventilator until his levels reach this certain number. And I think it was like 90, or, and it had to maintain that for a while. And so he would, he would peak up to like, 83 and then it would like drop back down and then mm-hmm. 80 and then drop back down so uh anyways we were constantly just thinking about that and everything and um just praying and then he seemed to be maintaining well enough and we weren't worried so we left that night went and got another hotel and the next morning we came in and everything they said he had a good night everything was good i watched kingdom church online from Joplin. Of course you did. Love my church. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went into his room and I sang to him because it was Father's Day that day. I sang to him, Good, Good Father. Yeah. And we had just, it was a good time. And then within an hour, they came and got us and, they, and my husband left to go get us some lunch because we were hungry. And uh, within an hour, they came into the waiting room where we were waiting and they were like we need you to come back here. And they were rushing around again. And they were like, we just, we don't think he's going to make it. And we actually got to visit with the doctor. We visited with him that Saturday in the afternoon. And he was like, I don't know if you realize, but but he is a very sick man. And we're like, now you tell us. And God bless him. So anyways, that Sunday we get in there. And when we realize that it's not looking very good. And the doctor's like, we don't think he's going to make it. He had tanked again. Yeah, he had. I mean, levels were really, really low. And um, so I looked at my mom and I'm like, do you realize what this is what's happening? You know, and the nurse was like, I'm not sure if they've asked you, 
but is there a DNR for him? And I'm like, Mom, don't make them do that. You know, because basically at that point they sold us, like, they can crack some ribs and, you know, it would be way worse for him if they tried to bring him back after he passed. And so I was like, don't, don't do that to him, you know. And so she was like, no, we're not doing that. Literally, we sat in his room. My husband barely made it back in there. And I've never seen something drop so fast in my life. I mean, within 20 minutes, if that. She said he is, you've got to make a decision right now what you're going to do because if you're going to do the d you know do resuscitate then we have to move we have to remove the ventilator we got to move fast and i said no and it was just like that he was gone yeah it was uh his numbers i mean he was already like at 60 and it was just just boom that was it and they were like um, that's it it's kind of crazy. Like, it was the, the it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced. I've mm. never, I mean, I've been in a room when like grandparents have passed away, but that was like a whole new thing. Like it's almost like when Dina let go, mm-hmm. it was like okay, here we go. Like now I can take him. Yeah, yeah. it was almost like a like well, it had actually the from you maybe this was just. Not too long before we finally did to get to go up to the hospital. I was laying in bed praying. And with everything I had within me, I believed that he was going to be healed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was thanking the Lord for what he was going to do. I was thanking him for the healing and for a good report and continued good reports. And the Lord said to me, will you trust me? If things don't happen like what you, my heart just dropped into my stomach. What you want, and tears streaming down my face. I said, "Yes, I'm going to trust you no matter what," because he knows the best. And I, I believe at that now, at that moment, I was thinking, you know, well, you know, God's really got something really awesome that He's going to do, and it's not going to be like what. I think, mm. but now I realize that was the plan, you know, yeah. but I still trust him a hundred and ten percent. I trust him yeah. totally and completely. And, and he has, he's taken care of me for the last year and a half. <laughs> yeah. So how was that? grieving process for you guys after that i'm sure you're still grieving but for me honestly for several months it felt like a dream it did not feel real and i think if i seen my dad every day if he was home like in the area it probably wouldn't have seemed that way but knowing that they lived Mm -hmm. two and a half hours away and i didn't see him it was more i was like well i can call him you know but right. it, it literally, it didn't sink in for me for a long time. I mean, I would I would cry because I knew, yes, my dad's gone, but it did not seem real. Yeah. And I just felt like I'm going to wake up eventually and he's gonna he's going to be alive, yeah. you know. And we had prayed. I mean, we prayed hard. And it, it was really about the time that the Lord talked to my mom about that, that I started feeling like he was going to pass away. And... Every time, like, when a grandparent had passed away, I'd always have this feeling like the Lord was putting in my spirit, and it was preparing me for what I was going to experience. 
And I had this feeling for several days before we saw my dad that he was going to pass. But I knew the word. And when the word says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, I was like, devil, shut up. You know, that's what I kept saying. Like, I'm not even going to tell anybody. I never told my mom. I never told my husband. I didn't tell a single soul until like right before Right before he passed, I had called my cousin one night after a Wednesday night, Wednesday night before he passed. And, and I was like, it was a rough night that night in youth and Satan was fighting very hard. And I'd actually talked about the tongue that night and our teens weren't being the best listeners that night. And I was getting mad. I was hurt because I knew what I'd been hearing that he was going to pass away and everything. And so I called my cousin that night and I just unloaded to her and was like, I haven't told anybody this, but I feel like my dad's going to pass away and I don't even want to speak that, you know, I don't want that out there at all. And, you know, I'm just speaking against that right now. And, you know, she's someone that I, I call when I'm going through something like that, you know, and so she began to speak life back into me. But I just kept feeling like that's what's fixing to happen, you know, and then when it did, I was like, oh, my gosh. It felt like you'd been punched in the gut. You know, like when you pray for something and it doesn't quite happen. But through that, we, we've had many conversations about this since my dad passed. That hope is still real. Faith is still real. When you're going through something like that, the last thing you need to do is lose hope in the situation. What I was feeling that my dad could pass away, I had to still believe that God could heal him on earth and have faith that he can do the impossible. What I'm seeing right now, his numbers drop, doesn't change my faith, doesn't change the fact that God is still good, that God can still heal. You know, if he did it in the Bible, if he if he rose Lazarus, which is... This is really bizarre, but after my dad passed, several months later, I kept having this dream that I prayed for my dad to come to life, and he did. Like, couldn't shake the dream. And I finally told my mom, I was like, I went to his graveside, and I don't know if this is a morbid thought. I don't think it is, but I thought, <laughs> how long does it take for a body to decompose? Right. Because I want to know what I'm praying for. I'm praying for full life to come back, you know, uh, is it just going to be bones there or, you know, it was super weird. And that's kind of really what I was going through was like, I'm going to go to his grave and I'm going to say in the name of Jesus come to life. And because I watched my dad many years in ministry struggle with not having a church that backed him 100%. And that's when he would call me and say, I'm struggling with this or, you know, this is going on. And so what I kept seeing, I was like, God, if you brought him back to life, he would have the mega church of all mega churches. Like you, people would say my pastor died and came back to life. You know, that's literally what kept going through my mind. I was like, I could do my dad a favor. (laughs) I could, I can pray for him. And he could come back to life, but he may whip my butt first yeah. because he's like, are you serious? You just robbed me of yeah, right. eternity uh, yeah. with Jesus. You know, I've been singing holy, holy, holy on key because my dad couldn't <laughs> sing on key. You know, 
He'd be like, I've been singing Holy, Holy, Holy on key for a year now, and now you want me to stop, you know? Yeah. And I'd be like, Dad, this is what you wanted. You wanted to lead people, and you wanted to see church growth like none other. Mm-hmm. And it was constantly like a struggle for him, you know? I don't know why. I don't know why it was like that. And it becomes depressing for a pastor when they don't see the church flourishing like they want. Mm-hmm. And it takes work. And when you're the main one working, it gets tiring, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I saw that in him. And and so for, for months, I kept having this dream. And you never know. It may come to pass. I may finally just give up. I'm like, fine, <laughs> I'm going to the grave. But I laughed and I said, I will not go by myself. Because if he does... Arise, Dina. You, you I will you be the next this. one. I will be yes. the next one in that casket because I will <laughs> pass smooth out. Yeah, you know, like it just came to pass. You know, for all those listening, I'm being serious. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it that was that was for me. It was. It still, in some way, feels like a dream. You yeah. know, and I have my moments where it hits me like a ton of bricks, and I'm like, he's not here. You know, I need someone. I didn't get to celebrate with my dad when I adopted my boys, you know, and he was like super fond of grandkids. I think because he could spoil them and send them back home. Yeah. I think that was what it was. Oh, yeah. Grandpa's um, love that. And my dad only got to know my boys for a very short amount of time. Mm. We got our youngest in November of 2020 and our oldest in December of 2020. And then my dad passed in June of 21. Mm. But in that short amount of time, especially my youngest loved my dad mm-hmm. and and my dad was excited for us to be able to adopt them and then we adopted them October 27th of 21 mm-hmm. and I was like I don't get to celebrate this with my dad you know it's, it felt weird but God has been he's been so good and I've, I've told our teenagers through this I've often heard that God becomes a father to the fatherless and it became all more real when my dad died. Mm-hmm. Is that I had I had to rely on God. I had to I had to rely on him to comfort my family, to protect my family, just like my dad did. Yeah. Um and he's he's been so good to do that for us. Filled that role that yes. you felt was missing afterwards. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if your like dream is almost like I'm not trying to interpret or anything, but I wonder if like him coming back to life in your dream is almost like what we have, what we get to look forward to when Jesus comes back and we have sure. the new earth and we're living all, you know, together on yeah. on earth mm-hmm. with Jesus and reigning together. And I, I just think that um, maybe that's just a glimpse into it. Yeah. You know, maybe because our life here on earth is so it's like a blimp, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. where it's just like this little short time. Yeah. And then when we're in eternity, we're going to be like, can you believe how like <laughs> what how much faith we had there? And now mm-hmm. look at us, you know? Yeah. So um, through all of that, after his death, Dina, you received so many blessings, which you've already shared. Mm-hmm. How is your life now? And I mean, you you can be as honest as, as you want that, you know, we all struggle with, you know, loneliness and, and, um, just missing people that were in our lives for so long. So can you kind of go into that a little bit, Dina? Um, I moved in with Hannah and Justin Mm -hmm. and 
it was all good, but I needed my space. Right, right. And um, my uh, tiny cabin is another one of God's blessings mm-hmm. to me. My husband and I had always talked about, I, I wanted one of them. And I yeah. said, whenever we retire, I want one of these. Yeah. And, um, and you're on Hannah's land, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just really close. Yeah. And right next uh, door. the dog has even realized where I live now. And if the door doesn't get shut off, he comes he barging in. in. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he would be excited. I know he would be. Yeah. And I think in myself, I didn't know that I could do all this by myself, which I didn't without his help. But I do have my moments. And uh, this week has been one of those weeks. I told my boss yesterday, I said, grief, it hits you out of the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You can be just all fabulous. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden... Mm-hmm. you're not fabulous and you struggle like you know lord when are you gonna do this or when are you gonna do that but he's done so much right we almost forget what he's done yeah mm-hmm. so i told him i said you know i just have my moments and then you you see people that are not doing well and um yeah you think why did I even whine about that? Because there's so many people that we come in contact with every single day who are not well. And um, it's just, it's amazing. God is so good. I, I don't know, back a few months ago, I was like, I was by myself and, and, um, I think the kids had went to a football game, and I just really poured my heart out to him. And uh, Lord, I don't want to spend the rest of my days by myself. I want you to send me somebody, because I'm only 59 years old. So if you're listening, and no. uh, <laughs> instead of single ladies, we need single men. All the single men. <laughs> But you better know Jesus. That's all I gotta say. Yes, Hannah has a Hannah well, and Hannah she uh, she said, you know, he's got some big shoes to fill. This person does. Whoever the Lord is sending has some. Big Literally, shoes. my dad had a big shoe, <laughs> size twelve. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, but well, that but that's an honest feeling too. Yes, you know, I don't think that we should have to be alone for the rest of our life you know even I want if it's somebody a to go on a ride with or to go look at trees you know <laughs> what just, kind of trees christmas trees right now the trees the leaves are changing oh, and daryl and i would love to go and drive and look at the leaves changing and yeah. but with gas prices i don't know <laughs> I don't know if I you love, can get here. I wish I could see <laughs> Hannah's face coming. during this conversation. <laughs> She's like, here we go. Mom <laughs> wants someone to ride around with her. <laughs> and go to the movies. Or yeah. Daryl and I would go, uh, when we moved to Oklahoma, we were surrounded by water. Mm-hmm. Lakes everywhere. And so we would go get us something for lunch, and we would go sit and watch the water. And... Mm. It was good times. Yeah. Well, I love to do, do that. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, is there anything else that you would want to share that we haven't talked about? 
I think maybe for me is that when things don't happen the way you want, God didn't change. Is, you know, we, we prayed for a friend of ours not too long ago that was really sick. And I promised myself that I wasn't going to pray for this person selfishly. Because that's, I feel like that's what I prayed with my dad. Mm-hmm. And when my dad passed. Kind of made some resentment. It was mm-hmm. like, why didn't I pray better? Yeah. You know, my uncle sat in there and prayed for my dad for hours after my dad passed away. And he was praying for him to come back to life. And I wasn't mad about that. That's like, that's his thing, you know. And I, at that moment, I couldn't pray that because I didn't know really what just happened. You know, and another uncle of mine walked in there and, you know, was respectfully asking him to, hey, it's time for it. We got to walk out. They got to they got to take him now, you know, and he my uncle looked at him and he was like, I can't I can't accept this. And he's the words that he said, I thought were very wise. He said, are do you think that the Lord is going to listen to your prayer or Daryl's prayer? Do you think that Daryl prayed Lord, just take me, you know, I don't want my family to go through this, you know, type of thing. He said, who do you think he would listen, you or him? And he's like, I didn't think about it that way. And so I promised when we were going to go pray for one of my mom's really good friends that I wasn't going to pray, like, come back to life, you know, all these things. I mean, she, she was really, really sick, but I just read the word to her is that, Whatever happens, the word says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever happens in heaven can happen on earth. We don't have to wait to get our healing when we get to heaven. We don't have to wait till then. We can experience life now. And so I never want to lose hope of any situation, no matter how bad it seems. I'm like, we're fixing to pray for another friend of ours. And... That's the same thing we've we've talked about that is that no matter what we go through, God doesn't change. He can still heal. He can still perform a miracle. And I just believe in that. I believe in what God can do. He can do the impossible, even when I don't see it. He's still good. That's right. Well, I normally have to end an episode with what's your purpose? Hannah, by the way, Hannah is like number one fan of this podcast. I... One thousand percent. Yes, <laughs> and I love that. And you're a podcast listener anyway, right? Yes, because like, you listen while you work and stuff. Listen while you work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll always get a text like, "Hey, good episode. I really liked that one." Or if we see each other at drum lessons. So I appreciate that of how much you support me and secretly pray for me all the time <laughs> for my sanity too. <laughs> so Dean, I'll let you go first. What do you believe is your God-given purpose? Well, to just to be an encourager, to let mm-hmm. somebody know that is going through what I have been through. There is hope. Mm-hmm. He's right word, encourager. Right there. Mm-hmm. If you let him. Yeah. If you let him and if you trust him, no matter what, trust him. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Anna, what's your God-given purpose? The moment is um, here. Well, for starters, no, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> I feel like my purpose is 
I want people to see Jesus in me. Mm. I want them, when they see me or when they have a conversation with me, beyond the sarcasm, yeah. that they see someone who truly loves Jesus. Mm. Being a Christ follower should be contagious. Mm. Just like my dad caught the disease. <laughs> Pre-warning, she said, don't say COVID a whole lot, so I'm trying not to. Um, so, anyways, um, just like sicknesses are contagious being like jesus is contagious Mm -hmm. and so everywhere i go in my job in my home in my church at walmart when they've switched it all around and i get a little sidetracked and i'm trying to figure out where is the oreos you know uh i want people to see jesus in me where they want jesus to because he's changed my life yeah I love that. It's a good answer. You betcha. All right, ladies. Well, thank you for coming. My, I, it sounds like my kids are starting to get wild back there, and they're ready to break out of the room. Jesse's probably ready to break out of the room, too. But thank you for coming and sharing you. your story and your heart thank and you. your love for Jesus. And I hope that this touches the right people that need it, uh, maybe people that have been struggling with grief or or even just trust issues. Your faith is pretty crazy, <laughs> crazy faith. Mm-hmm. Mike Todd. That <laughs> um, it's just it's just really powerful to listen to, even in my own life, to just be like, wow, like if they can have faith that God can move, like I can, you know. Mm-hmm. So thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Picturing Purpose Podcast. Find us on Anchor as well as every major streaming service. If you are excited for this journey and want to see this podcast thrive, there are many ways you can help. The most simple thing you can do is by leaving a five-star review on your streaming service of choice. Reviews help podcasts so much. Another easy thing, anytime you see a post from the Picturing Purpose podcast social media pages, please comment, like, and share. This generates a bigger audience and brings more listeners. You never know, one of your friends may need to hear an encouraging word. I need daily motivation myself. Last, but definitely not least, if you want to see this podcast fulfill its purpose, your donations are incredibly appreciated. Keeping the podcast up and running is an extra cost I have taken on and will continue to do as needed. I know that God will always provide because this podcast is His. Not only will donations go to the making of the podcast, but Picturing Purpose will be blessing a portion of its monthly earnings to people in need. Whatever God puts on my heart is where the money will go. There is no donation too small, and you can also set up reoccurring payments. Even $5 a month would be super helpful. If you are unable to donate, your prayers are powerful. Please pray for this podcast and that it continues to serve its purpose and spread the love of Christ. Our hope is that Picturing Purpose is an encouragement to anyone that needs it and that we create strong, confident, and motivated disciples. Thank you for your support.